Welcome to Capturing the Abandoned, foray into the world of rural and urban abandoned exploration. Hello, my name is Vincent Gerhardt, and I want to welcome you to the first real episode of Capturing the Abandoned. Yes, this is episode one. As mentioned in the introductory episode, this show is an extension of Colorado Abandon, an art project that was created by Lex Nichols and myself to explore, document, and share our unique interpretation of rural and urban abandonment in Colorado through our photography. To learn more about Colorado Abandon, please visit the website at coloradoabandon.com. With this show, we want to move beyond the confines of Colorado and expand the scope of rural and urban abandoned exploration to cover the United States and beyond. Basically, anywhere in the world where there are explorers that have a similar mindset as ours. And here is a quick look at what this show, Episode 1 of Capturing the Abandoned, will be about. We are excited to have an opportunity to have an interview with Jackson Faulkner, our first guest photographer slash artist, a fellow photographer, artist, and explorer that we've been following for some time now on Instagram. His images are loaded with vivid colors, extreme textures, and fresh, interesting perspectives, and he's a very prolific poster to Instagram. His first post was on February 15, 2016, when what a treat it was to travel through the history of his gallery to find his first post. There will be links in the show notes to his website and Instagram gallery. And now, on with the interview. So, what we want to do, Jackson, with this is uh, give the listening audience uh, a little bit of history about you, your background, your education, and anything else you'd want people to know about you. So, you know, as much or as little as you want to share, you just roll with it. We can edit anything out if we need to. Perfect. Sounds good. All right. Well, guys, I was uh, born in Kansas City, Missouri, and my uh, family moved to Detroit when I was five years old. I grew up listening to Motown as it was being created and also experienced the uh, riots of 1967. My uh, dad took my brothers and I to the Detroit Dragway on the weekends at Sibley and Dick's, and uh, we watched the Tigers at good old Tiger Stadium. Had a great time. Uh, in the summers, we'd head back to Kansas City to visit my relatives in a very long single day car ride with three brothers in the back seat. So uh, I think you can understand why my dad did the drive in one day. It was, <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. And especially back in the late 60s, early 70s with no air conditioning. Yeah, going to Missouri, that was that was a real trip. But, you know, I yeah, believe I- those road trips in, in the 60s and the 70s were kind of the germination of my passion for exploration and discovering new places. You know, I don't know about you guys, but it seemed like everybody back then, we all did road trips. Yeah, we used to do a lot of road trips. Almost every summer, we'd head back to uh, Arkansas. You know, I also remember being fascinated by the properties of light when I was given a glass prism as a kid, you know, and I said, and it always blew me away that I could like carry a rainbow in my hand, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think that fascination of light led me. It, it led me. Well, I know it led me to a career. I was a neon tube bender in the mid nineteen eighties, and uh, which was a real trip in and of itself. There's there's nothing cooler than making neon and lighting it up. It's kind of like Frankenstein's <laughs> monster. You know, you kind of create something out of nothing. It's it's pretty cool. Is that something like a glass blower does? How do you how do you bend the tube? 
Yeah. Well, what you do is you have two different types of uh, burners. You have a ribbon fire burner for making the big, long, gentle sweeps like you'd see in the Holiday Inn signs for the lettering and things like that. And then you have a crossfire burner for uh, doing sharp point bends for letters and things like that. It was a very cool blending of science and art, you know, that I, I, I really did love it. Um, and then it eventually it uh, led my wife and I to relocate to Seattle out here where she grew up as a kid on a dairy farm. And uh, for the past 20 years, I've uh, been the building official in a small city in Whatcom County, Washington. So that's kind of my background. Nice. Wow. That's cool. Now, are you still a building official? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Okay. Well, well, I, I know exactly where you're at because I'm the public works director for our county. Yeah. So I know exactly yeah. what you do. All right. Excellent. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. we're a small enough town. I'm kind of like a, a one-man shop. I'm wearing all the hats. I do everything. I do. <laughs> well, I, at least I don't have to catch the dog. But uh, I, I do. Uh, <laughs> we're the same yeah. way. Vincent's in a small town uh, a little bit east of me, and it's a, it's the same thing. So we all have something in common here. Yeah, for uh, sure. Hey, well, I got a quick question for you to get this thing rolling here. You bill yourself as an entropic archivist. Is that the way to say that? Sure. An entropic yeah. archivist. Yeah. Yeah. Can you yeah. mind defining that for us? Sure. Basically, you know, entropy is everything's in a constant state of decay. You know, ever since it's born, it's yeah. everything is just it's dissolving. It's going to go back to where it came from. And what I'm doing is, is I'm archiving that process. And uh, it's it's an interesting process because it really makes you it, it makes you look at the life cycle of things. And uh, and you kind of realize just how impermanent almost everything is here in, here in this world. Everything's got a time limit. It does. It does. You know, that's kind of how I got into this in, into this style of photography that I was doing. It's like I've, I've always been interested in history and in particular the Industrial Revolution and uh, the Western expansion of the United States and how technology aided it. You know, I've I've got nothing but the highest respect for the blue collar urban workers and rural farmers that you know built our country. Yeah, there's sure. a lot of sweat equity there for sure. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and and I think that respect for our past and seeing much of it dissolve before our eyes has really fueled an urgency to my mission to preserve through photography as much as I can before it all disappears. You know, and it, and it will disappear. You know. Yeah, definitely. Sure. It's really kind of a concern to me because then our children's children, are, they're going to lose a significant part of our collective history of how we got to where we are today. And speaking of that, yeah, that's that's kind of our mission, too. We we like to get out and try to capture as much as we can in, in the time frame we have for, for the same reason, because uh, everything is uh, on a time limit, and that's for sure. And a lot of people don't have any understanding of uh, how things were or how they are d decay and everything else. So it's a, it's a yeah. good deal for sure. So Jackson, where, where do you live now? Where are you located at? And, and you can just, so yeah, I live uh, just uh, right up in near Bellingham, Washington. So we're right up in the Northwest corner of the country and right up there. We're only about 12 miles from the Canadian border. 
So what is your favorite subject to shoot? What do you, what I know looking through your Instagram feed, I mean, there's a, a wide selection of things that you like to take pictures of buildings, uh, equipment, everything else. But what are your favorite? You know, I really like, um, I, I would, you pretty much have touched on a lot of them there. I, I love the banded architecture and transportation, anything transportation related. And then also what's interesting is, is I, I love macro decay. You know, um, ah, yes. because it, you, you you can always take a picture of a, of a rusty truck or um, or a beaten down building from 50 feet away or 100 feet away, and you get a nice scene. But anytime I go onto a site, I always approach it from a distance, and and I also look at everything that I do as a portraiture as well. You know, I take kind of a, a long distance shot of them, and uh, then I'll move closer, take some nearer ones, and then. <laughs> I'll end up down to nail heads. And whenever we go to a location, she always brings a very long Russian novel for in the car because uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to be there a minimum of one hour. Uh, you know, yeah. you're, you're, the, you're the time time burner. That's good. Exactly. That's Vincent. Exactly. Vincent is yes. uh, he's the macro guy. Uh, between all yeah. of our feeds, anything you see that's really close up is usually shot by Vincent, and uh, so we we totally understand what your what your thought process is on that. I'm looking at one of your images now, and it's uh, the torque test. That is exactly oh, yeah. what you're talking about. It's like yeah. really up close, and you can just <laughs> yep. see the stress building in that piece. There, it's just, it's just amazing. And yeah, and it's amazing yeah. how you bring out the texture and everything too. I mean, you can get it's just like the texture just pops. Yeah, I I really I really like digging into the the elements of a of a piece, you know. And uh, fortunately, I've I haven't gotten bitten or stung or uh, anything <laughs> with the the worst that's always happens are those darn pigeons that are always roosted inside these places. And they're stone cold silent, you know, and you'll walk in like two or three <laughs> steps and then all of a sudden they'll just burst out of there. And, yeah, they uh, bum rush you. Yeah, yeah they do. Yep. They definitely bum rush you. And yeah, I'm finally, it's it's dawning on me to, you know, I always come up to a place and I'll usually do a couple raps on the doorway or something first to uh, kind of stir just, me. Just to announce your being. presence. Exactly. Yeah. So here we just we mainly worry about rattlesnakes, especially in the summer. You know, we oh, go into these wow. cool houses. Yeah. So so we are we're in Rattlesnakeville. We're flatlanders. I run into that situation too when I go over to the east side. See, you know, and that's the, oh yeah, that's, the, that's really the incredible thing about this state. Which um, hopefully I'm not talking up too much to um, have a whole bunch of people want to move here because it's getting <laughs> more crowded on on this side but yeah. uh, you know i live in the i live in the uh the green side but uh you know whenever we go on vacation we always head over the mountains and we go into the dry side and that's my wife and i it's our favorite area to go and that's when i do have to start worrying about the rattlesnakes because they definitely have them over in eastern washington so jackson um and you don't have to mention brand names if you don't want but what what's your primary equipment or or what what millimeter of lenses do you use and if you want to Elaborate. Feel free. Sure. You know, basically, uh, it's real simple what I use. I, I'm using a, a Nikon D7100 um, with various lenses. Most of, most of them are, uh, you know, I'm using a, a 
a zoom on a couple of times, you know, that's one that it's usually a fixed zoom that I use, but, uh, and I also have got, uh, what I'm talking on right now, I've got a Samsung uh, S9 Plus, which you'd be amazed at some of the shots. As a matter of fact, it's kind of amusing because I'm not going to tell you which shots are which on my feed. And I'll guarantee you most people could not tell that a good percentage of them in there are smartphone shots. You know, <laughs> because you get into some of these areas. And, you know, I don't know if, if you've got some way of being a gymnast that, that I can't, but... I get kind of down, dirty, and low on in a lot of my areas, and there's no way I can compose these shots um, with with my uh, Nikon, you know. But I can crawl down on the ground and I can flip my phone up there, and I can kind of stick it into areas where I can't get my Nikon into, and I've been able to pull off some pretty good shots uh, just with the smartphone. So honesty is best and and we totally we totally feel what you're coming from we we get kind of contorted ourselves yeah, yeah. i do that a lot exactly. of times i'll uh, canvas the area with the big camera and then i'll get my cell phone out and capture some video and a bunch of small shots yeah. and and then sort them all out and just work with any one of them they all seem to work pretty good exactly yeah yeah that's the way i do it too you know and then i've also got a uh DJI Mavic Pro drone that um, I'm going to be starting oh, to yeah. get into that more. I've I've got some I've got some ideas of what I want to be doing with that. And one of them is, uh, well, let, let's just say I want to have some surprises with that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> good yeah. element of surprise. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. so what all kind of uh, software do you use in, when you're processing your pictures? I Looks like you know there's a lot of high end uh, HDR uh, pictures and yeah, you know, and I'm glad stuff. you brought that up. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up about HDR because uh, it's kind of funny. I think everybody is kind of like a kid in a candy store when they discover HDR settings mm -hmm. and they just like they go nuts because it's like and and hey, I'm I'm the first one to say I did myself. Yeah, same know. here. If, if you go back in, in my feed, at least, you know, you'll see, oh, my gosh, I just oversaturated <laughs> everything, you know, back in the day. And, but, you know, now it is a tool along with any of the other tools that I use. But HDR has been, I found it to be very effective for me when I'm taking a lot of interior shots that are actually um, shooting outside. Yeah, uh, because mm -hmm. I can take a shot using HDR and I can balance all of those tonal ranges in values between interior, exterior, not get blown out windows. And, uh, you know, I've it's it's become real vital to me, but I'm I've definitely dialed down the saturation on using my HDR and uh, I use it to to just create a mood and a drama of what I'm trying to recreate when I first saw the place that I that I experienced. I'm really trying to trying to give a uh, um, uh, a feeling and a mood that you don't just get by shooting straight and no filters. And I'm not knocking people that don't want to use editing. That's fine. Oh yeah, for sure. That's out there. Yeah, but I'm really trying to reach a little bit deeper into just how I viewed it myself, what what my emotional state was, what I was feeling that day, the weather, everything. And uh, I've I yeah. found HDR to be um, a good tool in the toolbox. But primarily, I use uh, uh, Snapseed, and um, for doing like mobile editing and stuff, I've just got that dialed in pretty good. And then I've yeah. also got the various Adobe. 
uh, mobile apps and stuff because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but um, the days that I would spend sitting at the computer and just going over on, remember good old Photoshop and just <laughs> trying to tweak and manipulate, and I'd spend an hour and a half on one photo, I'm down to like six, seven minutes per shot now. I, I right. can dial in and, and get the editing done and then I'm on to the next one because, but I do love editing. It's, it's one of my favorite, favorite aspects of uh, taking photos. It's the second best part of taking the pictures for sure. For me, anyway, yeah. I really enjoy the editing process. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's fun. And you know, and it's just a matter of you want to convey what you saw, you know, on HDR yes. lets you, let you see it, how your eye saw it. You know, that's a lot of people don't understand. You only have, about eight stops of light in a camera, but yep. with HDR, that, that makes it more human, you know? Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting what I've discovered now. I, because, well, you guys know, if you look through my feed, I love clouds. Okay. Yes. And, uh, yeah. And yep. now when I look outside and it's a sunny day and there's no clouds, it's like, I'm not even holding the camera out. It's like, it's <laughs> like I'm, I'm at the point. Yeah, it's like, you know, and everybody else normally would be going, what a great day for picture taking. I'm like, boy, this sucks. Why aren't there some clouds around here? I really wish it, you know, give me some more, give me some more depth and meaning to my pictures. But, uh, you know, it's funny now because I can look at a nice cirrus spray, you know, and I can actually see it in in HDR now. And I'll know what it's going to look like uh, when I'm taking pictures. That's how dialed in I've got to this. Yeah. Right. And uh, I always tell Vincent, man, let's pray for rain, but we're always looking yeah. for the cloudy, <laughs> moody, moody exactly. days. And, and I, I, I'm always, uh, I'm always gunning for gray, you know, those gray yes. dark skies, <laughs> exactly. you know, yeah, that's, most dramatic skies. Yeah. It softens the light and takes all the harshness out. It just, it makes it so much better. That's for sure. Yeah. Definitely. So Jackson, when you, uh, when you go into post-production after you have an image ready, do you do much uh, texture adding? Do you do, you know, I know like us, we have different stages like myself. I run mine through my HDR program and then I, I go into Lightroom and, and do my tweaks. And then if there's something that needs spot corrected, I go into Photoshop. But do you do anything after the fact with your composition? Do you do any cropping or do you add texture or anything like that? No, very rarely um, do I do any kind of, I'll do some cropping on some of them just to, just to line up leading lines a little bit better for that. And I'm just going to edit my, what I'd really love to say, that lovely habit of Instagram, you know, Insta cropping sure. everything that we put on there. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta know what the end game is when you're, when you're you shooting know a picture, you say, yes. yep. And so that's kind yep. of what I do. I might do some cropping just because I know that I'm going to have, I want to get those leading lines to line up, you know, when it's going to be finally posted and things like that. Uh, but generally I don't um, do any other editing or anything. Um, I, I pretty much shoot straight on. I don't really add props. I don't, you know, whatever you see that I take a picture of, it's, it's what was there, you know? So. That's awesome. You know, it's crazy as a photographer when you're shooting a picture, you you automatically something in your head says you know what this is going to be like a killer instagram shot i already got the crop set up yeah or yeah it could yeah. be oh this is going to be a wall hanger you know and i'm going right. to shoot it you you just know it's just one of those things yeah. you know 
Yeah, that's yeah. been yeah. it's been fun because Lex has always told me you need to shoot back a little further so that I when I do if I do need to crop I have something to work with, and it, oh, it, yeah. it's a hard lesson for me to learn. But I I've been working <laughs> on it. <laughs> yeah. How long have you been doing photography? You know, at what you would call yourself, you know, a professional or semi-professional. Yeah. So basically I've been creating this style that you see on Instagram here of these. And what I basically call them is drama escapes. Um, I've been doing that for about just two and a half years, you know, but, but my first camera was a, a Yashica 35 millimeter rangefinder that was, you know, handed down to me from my mom, you know, in the mid seventies. So I I've always been taking photographs, but it's kind of funny because, uh, the majority of my photography was always very documentary style and almost like, uh, almost like how an architect would take pictures of trying to get out plan elevations for a building. It'd always be, you know, I wouldn't use any kind of three quarter perspective or anything when I'd set up any of my shots. If I wanted to take a picture of a house, it'd be, you know, side view, front view. And, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I really didn't get into this whole compositional style of trying to, uh, you know, either, um, you know, doing a high angle shot, low angle shot, you know, really didn't even get into that until, like I said, just only about two and a half years ago. And all of a sudden things just kind of started to click, you know, and it's like, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing happened when I started approaching my subjects from that angle, because, uh, it's it's interesting when you're at these abandoned sites because I started forming like strong emotional attachments to these old homesteads and you know whatever vehicles I came across I'd find myself wondering about the circumstances that surrounded the abandonment of the places and yeah it, you know if you've if you've ever seen the animated Pixar film Cars okay you guys have seen Cars yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. You'll understand my anthropomorphic twist. I give my portraits and, you know, every one of my images takes on human characteristics. Um, you know, each one of my images, that's another thing too, is that each one of my images has both a title and a caption, which kind of goes along for the Instagram feed. But, uh, uh, you know, each element has an equal strength, the photo, the title and the caption. And it's kind of similar to like a three leg stool. You remove one leg and it really collapses. You know, I, right. I try to tell a story right. that, you know, I try to yep. tell a story that needs to be told about our present and our past, you know, sometimes they're positive and sometimes they kind of show the struggle to survive. So. We've rolled into some places that are, you know, not, not necessarily shady, but you, you could tell that it was a struggle, you know, just to survive, yeah. you know, where they Definitely. were. So we know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Sp speaking of shady, what's the, what's the shadiest place you've ever shot at? Oh boy. You know, <laughs> probably have a bunch of, I've, them, huh? I've got, I've got one that was, and it's not really even that far away from my house. It's, it's over in some woods and there was, there was this house. Okay. That was deep in the woods and it's actually on my Instagram feed. It's back a couple of years. Um, and it was a house that was in some woods. And as I approached it, I started smelling this stench that just smelled oh. like uh, just a cesspool. And I was like going, wow, this place is just not good. And so here's the deal. If I walked around the corner of the house, it was just this ramshackle little shed in the, in the, uh, in the woods. I go around the corner and literally the house looked like it had been ripped into by like some unseen force. I mean, there was no ground heaval. There was nothing, but the whole cabin was just split in almost split in half in one side and everything wow. was still laying around inside it. And like I said, it just 
smelled so bad. And it was like, I took a couple pictures and it was right near dusk. And the light was, was the sun was shining through one of the windows and reflecting. And it had this creepy orange glow coming from the inside. It was like, I, I took that one. I took a couple of shots. Crazy. And went, okay, I'm out of here. Yeah. That's enough of that. Yeah. So if you, if you had a favorite story to tell from all your adventures photographing, what would it be? I mean, maybe what was, you know, I, I think probably the one that immediately pops into my head. And I think my wife would agree would be, and, and it, it's kind of interesting because it's become one of my most popular images that I've sold is, uh, it's one I call the interrogators. And, uh, I was down in Oregon and there was a farmhouse on the side of the road and it was behind a fence. And, uh, Somehow I found myself on the other side of the fence. I don't know how that happened, but uh, as I started walking up to the to the farmhouse, all of a sudden from around the back came a, a group of like about ten horses, and they all started walking towards me, and I just freeze, and I'm like, oh no, because at this point over in over in that area, you never know if there's like a wild group of horses or if it's a fenced in, because I didn't even know the extent of the fenced in area. I didn't know how far it went. So they all converge on me and I'm standing there. My wife is filming this from behind me on the other side of the fence. And she goes, well, I just want to have something in case the police have any questions of what happened to you. I'm right. Like, yeah, you don't know Dang. if you got into the wild Mustangs or. Exactly. Sure. Exactly. So as I stand there, they all come right up to me and they're just snorting. And I'm like going, and all I'm doing is going, I'm sorry, guys, I don't have anything for you today. I, I have no sugar lumps. I have nothing. No apples. <laughs> so after a few minutes, I, I get away from him and I, and I get inside the house and I'm in there for about five minutes taking some interior shots. And all of a sudden I hear this snorting sound and I turn around and there is a horse looking inside the house from every window. There were three windows. Oh, wow. There was a horse in what each a, one. And I just moment. went, you got to be kidding me. And I and I just started snapping shots. And that's been one of my most popular uh, shots. And the, the funny thing is, is that I just, I looked at him. I went, okay, guys, I'm, I'm just going to be here a few more minutes. You know, just, just let me deal with this and then I'll be out. You know, I'll, I'll get out of your house. So I go around and I'm taking some more pictures. And they kind of moseyed off. And then all of a sudden, I hear this bang, 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 bang coming from, like, the front door area. And I'm like, what is that? So I go walking around, and I lean around the hallway, and I look out the front door, and here is the ringleader. And he had this blaze on him. When you find that picture called the interrogators, he's the one in the middle who's got this white blaze on his forehead. He's sitting there, and he's pounding his hoof on the front porch looking inside the front door at me. Wow. Gotta be kidding me. That's like, cool. Okay, I'm coming out, yeah. you know. Yep. So, yeah, you're, you're <laughs> that, in their that territory. Yeah, right. is that one yeah. of the best places you've been to? It it is. It's it's one of the best places, you know. But I'll tell you, you know, I've got I've got my little short list of, of the best places. Number one, um, I get kind of emotional about this. Gary, Indiana. Oh, so you have some awesome pictures from there, man. There's a, those are just incredible. You know, I I really love that city and the people yeah. and uh, the uh, abandoned United Methodist Church. It's got an incredible story there. Uh, built in 1925, abandoned in 1975 uh, because of white flight. Um, when the uh, 
African-Americans started moving into the city. Uh, white, uh, they just couldn't handle it. And by 1975, uh, the congregation was down to only a couple hundred parishioners. And they decided to shut down the church. And uh, it's just amazing because that church is one of the most powerful places that I've ever been in. Uh, you know, you think of the people that were born and, uh, yeah. you know, they were they were christened there. They were uh, baptized. They uh, had their marriages there. They had their funerals there. It's still an incredibly powerfully spiritual place. And uh, I don't know. And all the people, what's ironic is all the people that we've met there, and I go back there every year when I go to see my family in Michigan. I always make the point of flying into Chicago, getting a new car, and uh, going around the bottom uh, of Lake Michigan and going through Gary. I've, I've been going there for probably 14, 15 years, uh, you know, documenting the, the place. And uh, all the people that I meet in the city there have always been the kindest and the sweetest people to me. And uh, it's it's just, uh, I've got a real love affair with that city. It's, oh, that's it's awesome, man. Place. That's yeah. amazing. That's, that's great that, that there's something that moves you and, you know, you got some conviction and uh, that that's a wonderful thing. And then I've got just a couple other ones that were kind of cool. Uh, one of them is this goofy abandoned Lincoln Continental that's uh, <laughs> by the side of the road. This thing has been on the side of the road for over 35 years. I kid you not, 35 years on the side of this road because it's in a disputed little no man's land between the county and the state. And neither of them is going to say it's on their property. So it's been sitting there for 35 years. And so I've been able to get some of the most incredible shots from this car. I've watched it morph. And you talk about entropy at work. This thing is, I've, there's mushrooms growing off of it, moss. And uh, oh, I, I've got a lot of those shots in my feed. And it, that's one of my favorite, favorite uh, portrait subjects. Um, but there's also, uh, uh, let's see, an abandoned uh, farmhouse over in eastern Washington. And this one was down in a gully that was really far off the road. And the only thing you saw from the distance was a TV antenna that was up on top of a tower from like 60 feet because it was down in a gully because, you know, they could get no <laughs> television reception. So they, that's yeah. the only thing you can see was this, was this television antenna. And, you know, and so I went down in the gully and here is the house. And guys, I went inside this house. And the thing is, is that most of the houses that you come, even in eastern Washington, have been picked clean. Nothing left. This house, everything was still left in it from when they left in 1989. Canceled checks, family photos, the the um, mother's uh, um, pink wardrobe in the closet with wow. I mean, everything. It's almost like they just house. got up and walked away, huh? It it was so spooky, you know, and it was very tragic because you could kind of see the progression of what happened there because in, in the bedroom, you could see where at one point in time they had to put pulleys in the ceiling so they could kind of winch the person out of the bed, you know, to get them up and out. And then it progressed right. to the point where they had a sunroom and they had put hospital beds out in the sunroom area. And oh my uh, goodness. you could you could just tell what happened. You know, the canceled check for the last couple of years, sure. most of them were for Medicaid and Medicare insurance and, you know, just health decline. And, and the real tragic thing of all this was this was down in this gully that you probably could not grow anything green in there. There were all of these bouquets of artificial flowers all over. Inside oh, the yeah. <laughs> and, and you go through my 
you know, if you go through my feed, you'll see uh, a shot there of this overstuffed, like, Easy Boy lounger chair. And in sitting in the chair is this bouquet of, of artificial flowers. And like I said, I don't prop anything when I take these shots. That's exactly how I found it. Yeah, we don't either. Right. And and it was just like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, just knowing what these people went through. It, it, it was, that was a... It was a beautiful, but a very tough, uh, a tough photo shoot. You know, when you see these well, that lives, that's amazing the way the way you can uh, tell a story. You know, come across something and uh, be able to convey a story. You know, and that I think that's something a lot of uh, all the urban and rural explorers have is going in there and doing what you're doing. You know, telling the story. Yeah. You know, you don't. Yeah. You don't set it up. You don't. Uh, you don't script it. You don't, exactly. You don't pop it up. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. Jackson, if if we were looking through your Instagram feed and and we were somebody that didn't uh, recognize your work, if we were to say, "Hey, what is your best shot?" and why why is that your best shot? What would you think is your best shot on your feed? Wow, that's a real tough one. Because uh, <laughs> I'm fairly prolific, I crank. Yes, you it. are, man. You're uh, amazing. You know. Um, you know, and it's it's my therapy too. Um, you know, I've I've went through some personal struggles, and so this has become my therapy as well. You know, and it's fairly transparent. You know, in my feed. Um, but I would say, in fact, I even mentioned it. This happened in October of last year. Um, there was a the most staggeringly beautiful sunset down in Skagit County here, um, south of me by, by about thirty miles. And the name of the the uh, image is called the heavens descent okay. to the earth. Yeah. It was the most beautiful image of these serious clouds that were just dropping down out of the sky. And I just went and said, that's it. That's, that's my money shot. I said, if I never take another picture, that one just really connected with me. So, yeah. That's amazing. Ooh, sorry for the emotion. That's but amazing. It's, it's, no, it's it, good. You know, it's, and, it's uh, being honest. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, it moves you, and that's 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 what photography does, man. The the right thing, yep. the right spot, the right time, everything. It yeah. it, it does that. Yeah, yeah. and you know, it was, kind awesome. of, it was kind of cool. It kind of it kind of uh, further convinced me, you know, that that it was a pretty special picture because right now it's currently showing in an exhibit that I've got at um, the uh, Jansen Art Center in Lyndon, Washington. It's it's uh, one of five that they accepted in juried art um, exhibit there, and I was I was happy that they picked that one because that meant a lot to me. Yeah. Hey, tell us a little bit more about some of your art shows and exhibitions. No, oh, yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting the the whole the whole art scene. At least I don't know about you guys, but it's kind of changing. You know, it's no longer in the realm of just an art gallery you know, where it used to be for just decades and decades. Yep. And, but now you've got all of these commercial businesses and they all want to hang art too. And you know what? I'm sorry, but I like getting the art out to where people can see it. So if it's in a coffee shop, if it's in a food co-op, you know, uh, cafeteria where they've got wall space and, uh, they want to show my work. I'm I'm very happy with that. And like I said, I'm very happy when a, when an actual gallery wants to. But to me, it's all about getting the images out to where the public can see them. And if exactly, it's in, 
you know, uh, I've got a show. Let's see, what do I got going right now? So I've got that winter juried art exhibition at the Jansen Art Center in Linden, Washington. That's going till the end of this month, and then I've got one in uh, Black Sheep Taco Bar in Bellingham in the month of February. Oh, they got some killer tacos. So you know, what's better than <laughs> having a margarita and some nice tacos yeah. and looking at my art on the wall? So it's kind of yeah. pretty cool. I, I love great. that. So that one's in there. And then uh, I've got the uh, Lux Fine Art Trunk Show coming up in uh, Laconner, Washington, March 16th and 17th. And that's going to be kind of a cool one because the, what they want you to do is they want you to have uh, any kind of an old vintage tr- steamer trunk, any kind of trunk or a suitcase. Um, and then you can have your art just kind of coming out of it or spilling it, but they just kind of want to use that for a prop. And I thought, you know, that was kind of an invitational thing. I thought that'd be kind of a fun one. And then a, yeah, a good cool. artist friend of mine, I was I was telling her, I said, gosh, you know, the only problem is I don't have a trunk. We used to have one. And she goes, I know what you can use. My husband, he was in he was um, in the army. You can use his footlocker. And oh, like, wow. That's so perfect. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So I can't wait. That's going to that's going to be fun having that one there. Do you have a website? that people can go to oh, or yeah or yeah your, i do have a website all your information, and also got, your, your... yeah so i do have a website and basically it's uh uh www.roadsidereflections.com yeah that's my website and that kind of also ties into how i do the majority of the printing of my work i do the majority of it on aluminum i print on aluminum Oh, uh, yeah. If, if you think that the images pop on Instagram with the detail, when you print them on that aluminum, I mean, these things, they're, I, I'm very happy uh, with the way that they turn out. So the majority of my images are on aluminum, but I realize not everybody can afford, um, you know, a larger piece on aluminum. So I will print them on metallic photo paper and just mat them for people. But um, preferred way of showing them is, is on metal. And uh, that's, you know, I've, I've got a whole bunch of them on metal, which works out nice. I can have, you know, two, three uh, concurrently running shows with all my metal pieces. And, uh, yeah, oh, that's it, awesome. It makes quite an impact. And then I also do yeah. have a gallery space at uh, Wacom Art Market, which is in Fairhaven, Washington. I have a, a permanent space there. So it's kind of like my little quasi gallery along with 45 <laughs> other artists who have an art good there, which yeah is out really nice well you know we've tried lots of different media so we totally understand and you got to keep in mind art is a luxury but the cost is something but after it's gone you have the quality and you have the image and uh, right whatever right. whatever moved the person to buy the image is there and the cost doesn't matter yeah. Exactly. It really doesn't. And you know what's kind of cool? I I was just thinking of this because uh, the largest piece that I had uh, in the in the gallery there uh, was uh, it was like uh, I think it was twenty four by thirty six, so fairly large. And uh, it was of this crooked house, which was one of my most popular images uh, down in Oregon. Which a lot of a lot of people, a lot of us Pacific Northwest photographers, have taken an image of or taken pictures of this. Uh, building there's literally no square side to this house it's totally racked and it's leaning but it's still hanging on but but anyway i took a picture of that and i had that on metal there and this woman came in and she and it which was nice is because uh uh, each one of the artists there has to work in the in the uh, actual art market for 12 hours a month. So you get to kind of hang out and be there in the place. And I happened to be there the day this woman came in and she goes, she goes, you know what? 
I really love that piece. She goes, but I'm here from Denver. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, I could never get it back on the, on the plane, you know? And I said, you know what? I said, if you buy it, I said, I'll ship it to you. I'll, I'll just pay the shipping costs, you know? And, yeah. and I, yeah. because it would have been significant, it, it was, but it's cost about 50 bucks for me to ship it, you know, but I, yeah. I, I want it. And she goes, I've got a place on my mantle where it would go. And I said, I want it on your mantle. Yeah, definitely. So Good. she did, that, she that, bought it. And that's uh, it. yeah, I was, that's how I you was hook somebody up. Her. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I was like doing that. So that's, that's fun. Hey, so you put a calendar together too, didn't you? Yes. Yes. I've been doing that for, I think, two years now. Yeah. Two years? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so, and that's available actually. That's, you can still get that on my website. And I've also got them there in the, uh, at the art market as well. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I, that's one thing that people have been asking. They always like, uh, you know, having a calendar and that way they get to see the art, you know, for a full year. So, and I, I just love doing that for people and it, it works out really nice. You know, you're, you're doing something that's therapy for somebody else, you know, even though you don't think right. about it, we're the same way, you know, you go shoot something you know, and we it, always have people that come to us and say, gosh, man, I wish, I wish somebody else would, you know, be able to convey this image. That was my childhood and those are my memories and, and you're yeah. doing that for people. So that's amazing. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that because I've had more than one person, you know, and they'll either like DM me and in, in Instagram and direct message me or, or something and they'll say, hey, I just want to let you know how much that picture meant to me. I grew up, you know, back in the Midwest and it, that, that barn reminds me of such and such or whatever, or even some of the ones that are a little, a little tougher, you know, ones where I've like shown my struggles and uh, people said, I, I've been feeling the exact same thing. And, uh, you know, you really helped me through that. And I'm like, wow. That's that's like the greatest thing. Yep, that's therapy. That's how it works, man. It is definitely. Hey, well, Jackson, we're kind of getting to the end of this, but I'd like to if you if you have uh, some people that you want to make a shout out to, that'd be great. Like some Instagrammers or people you know that that are in the business or whatever. Yeah, you know, um, and you know, it's interesting because some of these might not make much sense. You know, like their their usernames. You know, but. uh, Tycon dog, Amy, she's, she's one of my best friends. We, we met on Instagram and we actually have met up with her back in uh, Peoria. We, we actually make a point to go and, and meet her. So we've, we've have a blast uh, with Amy. She, in fact, she was in Gary. Yeah. We, we see, we see her feeds almost daily. Yeah. And then uh, Francesca, um, Sierra Wynn. Um, She's, She's one of my favorite uh, persons on Instagram. Sweet person and, and just great images. Jill Coop with a K. Um, yes. Her yeah. images just, just not awesome. off. She's, she, she's great. Phew. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, uh, also, um, I got to give a shout out to Sergio from In Spades Magazine. Um, he was one of the first persons that published any of my work in a magazine. And uh, I really appreciate his support of me. Um, he was he was very helpful for me about a year ago when uh, he had me in their magazine. And then uh, one other one is uh, uh, Adam um, uh, Revenant Sage. Um, his photography is really amazing because he does macro photography and it's almost all exclusively plants. And it's wow. some of the darkest, most amazing things. If you guys haven't seen his stuff, you're going to have to check his out. It's, it's really good. And then I do have to give one last shout out to, sure, sure. to all the hubs that have featured me over the years. Um, 
I've just been very, very grateful uh, that all of these hubs that have uh, looked at my images and said, yeah, we want them on our hub. And uh, I really appreciate their, their support. Yeah, some awesome people out there yeah. have some do some amazing curation of the abandoned. That's for sure. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's such a it's a it's a good community, a tight knit people that like to share the same things. So uh, yeah, we're definitely. we're all on board with you, and uh, we enjoy it too. Yeah, well, thanks very much for uh, having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to kind of let people know where I'm at. What's the best way that if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what would be what would be uh, the best couple ways? You know, if you have your Instagram feed, but yeah, Instagram feed, I, yeah, as you guys probably know, I'm on there quite a bit. Yeah, all right, that's that's one of my. I don't know. I think it's a healthy obsession. I, it's one of the, uh, the only ones I'm doing here now. So. Yeah, it's well, good. I know. I Instagram, it's therapy. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, so Instagram, it's Jackson Faulkner Net. Um, you know, all connected together. And then uh, also my website, like we said, uh, roadsidereflections.com. I'm I'm kind of kind of on Facebook uh, under drama scapes, but I'm sorry, I just don't keep updating that. I probably should get somebody to do that. But uh, Instagram and uh, the uh, website, I, you can always send a note on my website, and I immediately get an email notification from that, and that's how I've gotten hold of a lot of people too. So those are the two primary ones. Awesome. Well, Jackson, we're we're so happy to have this opportunity to have this interview with you. You've been a a real treat and you've been it's just been great the emotion the the passion you have for your your art and everything we we really appreciate you being on here with us thanks for letting us dig into the to the a lot of your inner emotion we appreciate that and it's nice where people can see you know what you're thinking when you capture an image yeah well thank you once again guys i really appreciate uh, your support all right thanks a lot jackson all right. Thank you. Yep. Take care. Well, it looks like we've reached the end of this episode of Capturing the Abandoned, and we sure hope you enjoyed our conversation with Mr. Faulkner as much as we did doing it. It was certainly a treat to have him on here to help us kick off our first episode. And here's a little bit of maintenance info to finish this thing up. Just as a heads up, we'd like to give you fair warning that we'll be experimenting with different interview approaches and methods along with different recording devices, microphones, and software. So please bear with us while we try to fine-tune this podcast so we can make it a better experience for you, our guests. You should be able to find this podcast just about anywhere podcasts are served. This includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Overcast, and more. Just subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes, and please... Do us a favor and let your adventurous friends and relatives know about this podcast. In order to continue to make this podcast better, your feedback is very important to us. So please feel free to reach out to us at capturingtheabandoned at gmail.com. Leave us your thoughts, ideas, and suggestions on how we can improve the show to bring you the best Capturing the Abandoned experience. Please stay tuned for future episodes where we plan to have more interviews, talk about gear, software, some safety tips for abandoned explorers, and maybe a deep dive into Instagram about hubs, moderators, and abandoned curation, plus a whole lot more. Once again, thank you, Jackson. So until next time, be safe out there.